Hey there, Chase Carico back with you all for Spotlight Impressions. This is our NBA Finals Game 2 recap. Gonna keep this one a little bit short. The Phoenix Suns have taken a 2-0 lead over the Milwaukee Bucks. Game 2 was 118-108. to uh, So, without any further ado, we'll take a few minutes to get into that. Overall, this was a fantastic game in my opinion. I thought the first half of this game was a little bit weird. Uh, just a few weird plays, some 50-50 balls going kind of crazy. Um, some weird passes. Um, there was a play to end the first half that I, I do want to highlight was just kind of the epitome of what I think this game ultimately was in the second half. Uh, the Suns may have had the most passes I've ever seen on a possession. It just seemed, uh, I mean, if you told me they had 15 or 20 passes, I would have believed it. Um, they would throw a pass, a player would have a good look, the defense would close out, they'd throw it out to another player who had a good look, and it was just bouncing all over the court. And every time I thought the Suns had a good look, the Milwaukee Bucks defense adjusted and got there to potentially contest it. And then another pass would ensue, and finally it ended up in a DeAndre Ayton bucket at the end of the first half. Um, it was actually an and one in this situation. Uh, just a bunch of weird plays kind of in that vein. Um, but then the second half I thought was just phenomenal. Both of these teams I thought actually played outstanding basketball. When you look at all the injuries that have happened in this postseason, and a lot of people understandably so, have said that this postseason kind of has an asterisk on it because of all of the injuries. This game really kind of disputes that to me. You do notice all of the injuries to all the key players. Uh, that that has had a very big impact on the playoffs this year. But these two teams, I especially the Phoenix Suns, but honestly both of them deserve to be here. Preseason, if you told me that the Milwaukee Bucks made the finals, I would have not doubted you whatsoever. In fact, preseason, I bet on the Milwaukee Bucks to make the finals. This team is really talented. It's got unbelievable two-way potential. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets certainly gave them a run for their money, and I think healthy, the Nets actually would have been better than the Bucks. But the Bucks are the second best team in the East. Uh, they're they're better than Philly. I honestly think they're better than Philly even when Embiid is healthy. They're definitely better than Philly when he's not. And then a after that, I mean, my Celtics aren't as good as these Bucks. The Atlanta Hawks aren't as good as these Bucks even when uh, Trey Young is healthy. Who else are you looking at? Miami. <laughs> the Miami Heat were healthy, and the Bucks destroyed them in their in the first round. Uh, not really sure what kind of asterisk you should have on here. And then the Phoenix Suns were the two seed in the West. They had the second best record in all of the NBA. They are outstanding, and this game just proved it. Uh, Chris Paul was really good again. Devin Booker was fantastic. He had a better game two than his game one. While DeAndre Ayton didn't quite dominate the game like he did in game one, he was still excellent. And then their role players got to step it up this game. Jay Crowder, 
still effective on defense, much better on offense in this game. Mikael Bridges was given more opportunities to be excellent on offense. Cam Johnson continued to hit threes. Um, I, I mean, this team's just good. And it was the case of, I thought both coaches actually made good adjustments in this game too. Uh, Budenholzer gets a lot of slack thrown his way. I thought he made the proper adjustments. When uh, I look at, uh, first of all, the lineups. Bryn Forbes only played six minutes. Bobby Portis only played five minutes. Um, Bryn Forbes in particular, while he did hit a three in this game, he struggled a little bit with his shot, and I, I don't want to be disrespectful to him, but his shooting is really the only thing that he brings to the table. Uh, he's he's a negative defender. I don't think he's a particularly good ball handler. I don't expect him to get to the rim and finish particularly well. Uh, and he's just an adequate passer from what I've seen. His shooting, while it does help space the floor a little bit, which is important for a team that has Giannis on it, uh, it's, it's just not good enough to keep him on the floor in the finals. Uh, I do think he made a good adjustment, Bud did, of not playing Forbes as much. And then Bobby Portis, I don't think he's necessarily bad, but one of the issues that we did see there is I think he's a lesser version of Brook Lopez. He's not quite as good on defense, and he doesn't have quite the same post moves. He might be a smidge more athletic, but he's a little bit slower. Um, I, I just think Brook Lopez is better than Portis, and both of them were the ones getting attacked in game one. I'll revisit that a little bit too uh in game one it seemed like booker and paul were just attacking portis and lopez over and over and over and the bucks fixed that a little bit it seemed like they were very much trying to keep their good defenders so middleton tucker holiday sometimes Giannis, on booker and paul when they ran screen action for uh Paul to get a switch with Lopez on him, or Booker to get a switch with Lopez on him. They The Bucks really did try to get that initial defender to get over the screen on multiple occasions. They did a much better job, I think, of hedging and then getting back. Um, so, I mean, I do want to actually say that I think Budenholzer did what he was supposed to do. I'm not going to fault him for really anything that he did in this game. But props to Monty Williams again. Just... <laughs> I mean, there was a sequence here where he was talking to, to DeAndre Ayton, and we got to see a little bit of his interaction there. And I'll just say, <laughs> I would play for Monty Williams. I have come to like him even more this season and this postseason. He might be my favorite coach in the NBA right now, and that's definitely a little bit recency bias, but I think that could continue to be the case. Uh, I, I just really like him, and you could see... There were a couple of moments where while Lopez would hedge and then try to get back, the Suns ran some action that got Lopez lost, and he really wasn't guarding anyone. So at that point, you're kind of playing a five-on-four game with Lopez lost in the middle. I I, I didn't think he, he and Portis either played bad defense in the first game, and that Paul and Booker were just that outstanding. Uh, and that kind of continued to be the case in this one. Uh, 
you got Chris Paul was 10 for 20. He had three of his five three-pointers. He had 23 points and eight assists. He did uncharacteristically have six turnovers. It was a little weird. Uh, Booker also had three turnovers, so nine turnovers between the two of them is quite a lot. But then you also have Booker going 12 for 25 from the field, seven for 12 from three for 31 points and six assists of his own. They did a really good job of not relying on what they were doing in game one so they didn't entirely go away from it when they had that ability to do so if they were able to get Booker or Paul in the mid-range they did it but they had a backup plan they had another plan that they were focusing on the offense they really got a bunch of wide open looks Um, Cameron Johnson had some way too open looks and hit a couple of threes in Jay Crowder got more open looks and hit three of his three-point attempts. He went four for eight from the field after going 0 for eight in the first game. Uh, Mikhail Bridges hit three three-pointers of his own, went eight for 15, and scored a playoff career-high 27. Aiton didn't have to be that involved in the offense. And then uh, Booker himself even, actually Booker and Paul both got some wide-open threes. The Game two game plans seem to be predicated much more on swinging the ball over and over and finding the best shot. So they got the ball out quickly. They got the ball moving. Transition was still a factor, but I don't think transition uh, was as prevalent as it was in game one. It was a little bit more of a half-court game, and the Suns were still able to manage that. This is a really tough one for the Bucks to handle. I thought Giannis was fantastic. Um, I... It, while in game one, there were a couple of moments where I thought Giannis might not have been 100%, I truly would not have noticed if uh, you just threw me in a vacuum into this game to watch it. I wouldn't have thought that Giannis was hurt. He had 42 points and 12 rebounds. He was 15 of 22 from the field. And as I'm looking at the box score, he was the only player for the Bucks who had a positive plus-minus while on the court. And that checks out to me. He had a couple of outstanding defensive plays. He had three blocks and a steal. He also had four assists and probably could have had a couple of more. But 42 points on 22 shots. He did miss seven free throws, and almost every free throw in this game was attempted by him because the Suns also know if he has an Achilles heel, which we, he does, it's his shooting ability, including from the free throw line. Uh, but 11 for 18, uh, he shot over 50%. Nothing to really celebrate, but at least that's that's not a loss for the Bucks there if he's going 11 for 18. Uh, <laughs> he was really good. He hit a bunch of shots that I didn't expect to go in. He actually had some like fade fadeaway jumpers he hit a three in this game he was only one for five from three which means he was 14 for 17 inside the arc um but he had a floater going every bit of Giannis's offense was going really well for him but this is one of those where this game is going to happen sometimes Middleton was five for 16 he hit a couple of tough shots but I thought the Suns played really really good defense on Chris Middleton uh there is in one respect I think Giannis is one of the hardest players to guard in all of the NBA and 
in another respect, while I think Chris Middleton is a little bit underrated even still and a really talented offensive player, you can slow him down greatly by playing good defense on him, and I think the Suns did that. And then Drew Holiday, I don't think he was really a defensive focus and still only went 7 for 21 from the field. He's, uh, as noted, has struggled in these playoffs and has struggled in these first two games. I really like what he does in transition, and there are some plays where he looks comfortable in the offense getting to the rim. I'm not trusting his jump shot really at any point in these playoffs, but when he is attacking, I really like it. He did have a couple of good passes. He had seven assists in this game. Middleton had eight, so they were able to do a little bit more distributing rather than scoring. Um, but when you can hold Chris Middleton to 11, 11 points and 8 assists, that feels like a win to me. Holiday had 17 points, but on 21 shots, that's a really bad ratio there. Um, and uh, he just it felt like he was forcing some things. Honestly, both teams hit some shots that I didn't expect them to make, but the Bucks attempted more shots that I, at the moment, thought were bad shots that ended up missing. There were a few ones on both sides where I said, oh, that's a tough shot that went in. There were more on the Milwaukee side where I said, that's a tough shot, and it missed horribly. So I I do think they need to, if there's something to clean up there for them on offense, a lot of that is the Drew Holiday stuff. Um, Brooke Lopez was 4 for 10. He didn't make a 3 in this game, but they... I still feel like have an advantage with him when he's down on the block. Lopez played 28 minutes, so the the fewest minutes of any starter, but still a decent amount there. Um, I, if there was an aberration on the positive end other than Giannis, Pat Connaughton went 4 for 9 from 3. He did look uncomfortable at times. He had um, two turnovers. One of them was a really bad turnover at the end of the game. Um, just a really careless pass that didn't even have any zip on it. So even if it was a good pass, um, in theory, it was such a slow-moving ball that that was going to get picked off anyway. The game was not 100% out of hand, but it looked like the Suns were in good position anyway at that point. So uh, I don't know what to say about that. But Connaughton hitting 4 of 9 from 3, that should be a great sign from you uh, for the Bucks. But outside of him... The Milwaukee Bucks only went 5 of 22 from 3. They really couldn't get anything in. It was kind of remarkable. There were so many plays uh, or sequences in this game where I couldn't believe Milwaukee was within 7, within 6, within 5. Every time that happened, Phoenix went on a run. And I think that's a little bit credit to Giannis to just even keep them in this game. But... In so many ways, it felt like the Suns were dominating, mostly because they had the lead for most of the game. They went 20 of 40 from three. They just shot the lights out. Whether it was open looks or contested looks, they were making everything, but they got more open looks from their role players than Milwaukee probably wanted to. It's gonna. It's a really hard task. If you're telling Milwaukee that they have to take away the contested mid-range looks from Paul and Booker, that probably does mean you're giving up more open looks to Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson and maybe Campaign and Mikhail Bridges. It's not good news for them anyway. It's really difficult to take both of those things away. 
I think if you can just get everything contested, you can live with Devin Booker and, to a lesser extent, Chris Paul taking these contested shots. You just have to get a little bit better of a contest on there and try to keep your matchups where they need to be. You still want to keep Brooke Lopez off of those two guards, and you want to keep Middleton, Holiday, and Tucker on them. But again, this was just a great performance from Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Uh, every time the Bucks looked like they were going to make a run, one of them made a play, even if it ended up in an assist to one of their teammates. They made a big play to push that lead ahead. It never, towards the end of the game, got closer than, I would say, six, I think it was. I know it got within six, which felt uncomfortably, uncomfortably close for a minute. But, again, Milwaukee wasn't able to take advantage of that. I'm not super surprised. For really the entire second half, it felt like Phoenix was in control. They led the entire second half. There were a lot of pieces of this game that did not feel at all like Game 1. But the one thing that did feel like Game 1 was just the pace in general. Milwaukee didn't quite dominate the first quarter, but they were better in the first quarter than Phoenix was. And I think that was more or less the case in Game 1. Certainly for much of the first quarter in Game 1, Milwaukee had the lead and seemed like they had an advantage. But then, as the game dragged on, Phoenix took the lead in the second quarter and did not turn back, and for all of the second half took the lead. Um, that That's really all I have here on this game. I thought both teams played really well. Uh, you, you do want a little bit more from Middleton and Holiday on the Bucks side, but... Giannis was fantastic. Connaughton hit some shots. I thought both coaches called a good game. The officials really let both teams play here. The free throws were much more in favor of Milwaukee this time, at least from a sheer volume perspective. They went 15 of 23, while Phoenix went 12 of 14. And six or eight of those free throws for Phoenix came at the end of the game just to ice it away. So really, Phoenix only took like six or eight free throws throughout the regular course of this game. The officials, I think, just mostly let them play. There were a couple of bad calls, but overall, I think the better team won in Phoenix here, so I'm not going to make any kind of point about that. Uh, And aside from the Phoenix free throws at the end of the game, almost all of those free throws were Antetokounmpo when the Suns more or less fouled intentionally to prevent a basket, knowing that fouling Giannis resulted in a better play for them uh, with his struggles at the free throw line. So uh, that does conclude the first two games played in Phoenix. The Suns are going to be up 2 nothing going back for a game three in Milwaukee. Uh, obviously this Game 3 is going to be very pivotal. If Phoenix wins Game 3, it does feel like it's over. It's going to be a 4 or 5 game series if Phoenix wins Game 3. I would feel pretty confident saying that. Even if Milwaukee can win Game 3, I would still lean towards Phoenix for the series, but uh, I do think they're going to have a chance there. They're going to have to ride the momentum of their home court and their crowd and fans there. Uh and honestly, <laughs> I'm just waiting for the Suns to have a game where they're not hitting shots. I know Jay Crowder wasn't hitting anything in the first game, but everyone else was hitting well. And in the second one, they were shooting pretty well again. Like I said, 
uh, particularly from three when they went 20 for 40 as a team. Jay Crowder hit three for five. Bridges went three for nine. Paul, three for five. Booker, seven for 12. Torrey Craig, who only played eight minutes and got injured on a really nice defensive play by him in this game. We'll see what his status is moving forward. He went two for three. Cam Johnson went two for four. Cameron Payne was really the only one who struggled. He went 0 for two. He only played 10 minutes. They really, really played their starters heavy minutes in this game and and then added 18 minutes from Camp Johnson. Uh, but if Milwaukee can get Phoenix to struggle at all from the field, they're going to have a chance in Game 3. But Milwaukee really needs to win both of these two games at home. Uh, feels like a pretty obvious thing to say, but I think Milwaukee needs to win every game they play at home and steal one away from Phoenix in either game five or game seven to have a chance in this series. But that's going to take us to the end of this one. So appreciate you all listening. I'll wrap us up here. That is the end of another episode of Spotlight Impressions. This is our 20th episode. I'm happy to have gotten this far in what I'm doing here. Uh, So, as always, feel free to send me a message through email or follow me on Twitter and message me on there. Love to get any kind of feedback or interaction anyone has. And uh, take it easy and enjoy the rest of the finals here. We got at least two more games that I'm excited to see. See you.